This is a Federal News Network podcast. Congress managed to accomplish what was perhaps its easiest task on yesterday's to-do list, avoiding a government shutdown before the end of the fiscal year. Congress passed a continuing resolution that will keep agencies running for the next nine weeks. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco joins us now to talk through what was a busy week for the federal workforce. Hi there, Nicole. Hey, Jared. And yeah, we will talk about some other federal workforce issues during our discussion here, but let's start with the CR. What did they actually do here and and what might we expect over the next few weeks as they move toward hopefully, eventually, full appropriations bills? Right. So the continuing resolution keeps agencies running through December 3rd, so about nine weeks or so. It also includes about $28 billion in disaster relief funding and about 6 to $7 billion or so for Afghanistan resettlement efforts. And those were priorities really from the Biden administration, but Democrats and Republicans. And so this continuing resolution was a relatively easy, you know, maneuver over the last day in the House and Senate. The Senate passed it. Uh, with bipartisan support. And so, you know, over the next couple of weeks, I think we'll hopefully see the appropriations committees start to hammer out some of the details of the rest of 2022 funding. So the House has actually already passed nine of the 12 appropriations bills, you know, needed to fund federal agencies for the next year. The Senate really hasn't moved any, although there have been some proposals that have come out of the committee. But I mean, ultimately, I think we're, you know, anticipating some sort of omnibus spending bill at this point, just given the amount of time and the other priorities that Congress has to handle. And of course, you know, the debt ceiling isn't resolved. That wasn't included in the continuing resolution. And Congress has to do something with that, either raise it or suspend it within the next couple of weeks here as well. One thing I'll just mention quickly, Jared, I think the threat of a shutdown just scared so many people, perhaps because of the last partial shutdown. You know, agencies, you know, we did see them put out new contingency plans over the last couple of days and and week or so, and federal contractors prepared as well. And, you know, I think we heard some real horror stories from the last government shutdown, especially from contractors, things like agencies not, you know, paying uh, or repaying claims that contractors submitted from the 35-day lapse that occurred in, in 2018 and 2019. You know, the Professional Services Council estimated that for every day the government was shut down during that last time, it took agencies three to five days or so to sort of rebuild that capacity to start issuing new solicitations, evaluations, and other awards. So I think that last experience maybe really scared some people this time. I, I was going to ask, is there, as far as we can tell at this moment, any rhyme or reason to that December 3rd expiration of the current CR? I mean, does it reflect any anticipation on the part of congressional leadership that they will have appropriations bills ready to go by that point? Or is that just kind of the date at which they'll need to deal with the debt ceiling and other issues anyway? So they're going to have to deal with the debt ceiling much sooner than December 3rd. It seems like mid-October is kind of the the timeline that they're shooting for, at least with the debt ceiling. As far as, you know, the December 3rd date goes, I'm not really sure. If anything, maybe they've they've built in 
maybe another week or two buffer after December 3rd if they do need more time before the holidays. And we've seen, you know, Congress go right up until that point in recent years. Yeah, it may reflect the congressional recess calendar more than anything. All right, let's move on to some other um, workforce issues that you've been covering this week, including OPM this week releasing some new details on next year's health insurance rates. What uh, federal employees and retirees need to know? So on average, federal employees will pay 3.8% more toward their health premiums next year. And that does come from OPM. You know, the numbers with this announcement are always a little tricky. OPM likes to go with the lower number, which is on average, premiums will go up 2.4% overall next year. But really, that number that employees need to look out for is how much they themselves will pay for their premiums. And of course, there's a complicated formula that goes into setting those numbers. You know, the government pays a share, the employees pay the, a, another share, and the government will contribute about 1.9% more toward health premiums next year. These numbers are actually not bad, considering some of the numbers we've seen in 2020 and in 2019. So in 2019, you know, the premiums went up almost 6%, at least the employee share. And last year, we saw the premiums go up between, you know, four and five percent or so. So this is actually relatively good news. Now, of course, OPM releases these numbers ahead of open season, which runs this year between November 8th and December 13th. And that's pretty much the annual opportunity that participants have to make changes to their health, dental and vision insurance. Yeah, as you suggest, where everybody's kind of used to these rates going up every year. But but as you say, these are a little bit more on the modest, modest side. Do we know why that is this year? So there's a couple factors, I think, at play. So one, you know, we're always going to see the premiums go up given, you know, rising prescription drug rates, just the cost of responding to chronic illnesses advances in medical technology. These are things that happen every single year. And then, of course, considering the participant base in the federal employee health benefits program. I mean, it, it does skew a little bit older. You, so you might see just more healthcare usage in general. But then there's a pandemic. And that, I think, brings in some other complicating factors here. And if anything, might explain why the rates are, you know, not bad considering past increases that we've seen. So OPM sets premiums for 2022 based on how federal employees used the health insurance market in 2021. And so if you think about this past year and even the year before, you know, not as many doctor's visits were happening. Maybe employees put off or continued to put off some of those elective surgeries or other procedures. And so OPM says, you know, the overall usage of the healthcare market remains low, at least compared to pre-pandemic years. So that's a factor. Then you might ask, well, what about just treating COVID-19 patients who are part of the FEHB? And OPM actually had some interesting data on that. They said that testing and treating COVID-19 patients cost the program a billion dollars in 2020 and represented about 2% of the program's claims for that year. And that is the most recent data they have. And so OPM thinks that those costs will eventually decline as more people get vaccinated. They're obviously subject to a mandate, at least current active employees are anyway. But then, of course, I think there's just this ongoing question of how the market and participants will respond once, whenever the pandemic resolves a little bit more. 
So to sum up everything you just said, is it is it really just that there was lower health care utilization in 20 because we were all shut-ins for a year? So that is kind of the, the resounding explanation, at least at this point, from OPM. And it was actually last year as well. Of course, OPM plays a role in all of this, too. They negotiate on behalf of federal employees with these FEHB carriers. And so OPM, you know, I, I would say, I guess, has had some success at least for this upcoming year. Now, the federal employee unions, you know, they applauded OPM, I think, for kind of the modest rates that they saw for this upcoming year. Last year, when the rates were a little higher, they got a little bit more criticism uh, for the role that they might play in trying to set some of these rates. So the government, you know, does play a bit of a role as well. And in the past, there have been some years where Congress, due to some really complicated sort of minutia with the laws, Um, can actually play a role in how the rates go as well. But I think for the most part, it is that, you know, theory that you just mentioned about, you know, a lot of people staying home. All right. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco, thanks a lot. Thanks, Jared. And you can read a lot more about the current government funding situation and federal employee health insurance rates at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them 
and find out what they're doing and where what you can do to help them. Uh, I we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day and I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention and it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and... Um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. 
and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.